you want to make sure that your little one is getting no less than 10 hours of overnight sleep. That's where those benefits of healthy sleep, restorative sleep are going to come into play. Um, Well-rested children, they just behave better. They have better impulse control. They're better able to control their emotions. We all know what an overtired toddler is like, and they are a complete disaster and no fun for anybody. Being the mom you want to be doesn't have to be difficult. It's all about building healthy self-care habits, overcoming mindset roadblocks, and finding support. Welcome to Habit Maker Mama. It's the go-to podcast for busy moms who want to care for themselves. I'm your host, Heather Kerwin, and I'm a mother of three, pilot wife, and physician assistant. Together, we are going to redefine self-care so you can be the mom you want to be. Let's transform how you care for yourself starting right now. My sleep as a mom has been so dependent on how my little ones sleep. I can control the variables that impact my own sleep, like screen time, caffeine intake, and room temperature, but getting my kids to stay asleep for the entire night is a different story. When my kids are sleeping well, I am generally sleeping well, and when they sleep poorly, so do I. I often think, if only my children could sleep better, then I could too. My energy and mood hinges on a good night of sleep, and let's be honest, I'd like to get more of it. So I thought, maybe I could find us some help. Our guest today, Erica Threet, is a mom of two boys, ages six and nine. She lives in Jacksonville Beach, Florida. She graduated from the University of Florida with a master's degree in early childhood education. She taught first and second grade and K through five gifted for 10 years before staying home with her boys. She has always been passionate about sleep and helping other moms teach their little ones how to be great sleepers. Sleep is not a luxury. It is a necessity. She is a senior consultant with Sleepwise Consulting and has supported over 200 families in teaching their little ones how to be independent sleepers so that everyone can get the rest they need and deserve. Erica, welcome. I'm so glad you're here today. Hi, Heather. This is so fun. I'm excited to be here and talk to other moms about the importance of sleep. Yes, it's amazing. I feel like um, I am such in the throes of everything right now with a four-year-old, two-year-old, and two-month-old. So basically, I feel like I'm getting um, a session (laughs) here with you (laughs) that we get to share with everybody. So I'm just absolutely thrilled um, to have you to share with us. Some of the healthy sleep habits that we can provide to our toddlers, but also that I'm guessing probably are relevant to us as adults and then to our older children too. Um, So tell me a little bit about your journey to starting One Rested Mama and becoming a Sleepwise consultant. Yes. So as you mentioned, I have two boys. Um, When my oldest was born almost nine years ago, his birthday is in a couple of weeks. Um, I read everything I could get my hands on to figure it out because I knew, like, I knew that lack of sleep was not going to work for me. Um, so I basically taught him how to how to be a good sleeper, and he was pretty much sleeping like giving me like an eight hour stretch by seven weeks old. What? Um, wow. <laughs> and then my second one came around three years later, and he had his own set of ideas pertaining to his sleep. And so he required me to read a little more, dig a little deeper, do a little bit more problem solving. He was three weeks premature, four weeks premature. 
So he was a little, little delayed on, on things, but by 12 weeks, he was sleeping, um, through the night as well. And so I just developed a passion for sharing my knowledge and helping other families teach their littles to sleep because I saw what an impact it made on our family. And, um, I, I called Sleepwise one day to ask a question to one of the consultants. And one of the consultants told me the one I spoke to that day said, you don't need my help. You need to work with us. <laughs> and so, um, three and a half years later, here I am a senior consultant with Sleepwise. Okay. That is incredible. I have to ask. So in getting your boys to sleep from the onset, did they maintain that? And are they still great sleepers? Yes, they are amazing sleepers, amazing sleepers. We, you know, like every every developmental milestone comes, there'll be like a little hiccup here or there. But usually that means we just have to kind of make a little adjustment to their schedule or routines or something like that. But they, they've always been really good sleepers. Wow, that's wonderful and makes me so happy that I'm talking to you because mine are not. <laughs> so good. So give me the tips. <laughs> yes. Um, and I always say, I mean, I started with my boys from the very beginning. And I, I work with a lot of families who do start from the very beginning. But I also work with a lot of families of toddlers and preschoolers and even older children. And I always say it's never too late to teach these healthy sleep habits and change the way our little ones fall asleep. Mm, that's great to hear because I feel like sometimes as a parent, you think, if I didn't start this from the very beginning, am I so far behind? Like, is it even worth trying now? And you kind of get caught up in that guilt of, oh, I didn't do it from the onset. But it's nice to hear that at any point, if you just kind of get going with, you know, starting some healthy habits for your kids, then you can see some changes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Tell me a little bit about some of the data or research on the importance of good sleep in toddlers or young children? Yeah. So I I work with babies basically from prenatal all the way up to about age six. Um, but I really found the love recently with toddlers. So I'm gonna I'm gonna share a little bit about toddlers, mostly about toddlers and preschoolers with you today. Um, but as when I'm talking about toddlers, I'm specifically talking about like one years old to three years old. And then when we talk about preschoolers, about three to five years old. And so a healthy sleep is the way that they fall asleep and the ability to stay asleep and get good quality restorative sleep overnight. So when we're thinking about our toddlers, we're looking at about 12 to 14 hours of total sleep in a 24-hour period. This includes daytime sleep. So we want about 10 to 12 hours of overnight sleep, and we're looking at about two, two and a half hours of daytime sleep. When we're looking at our preschoolers, we are dropping down to about 11 to 13 hours in a total 24-hour period. Um, this may or may not include daytime sleep. The thing you want to think about is that you want to make sure that your little one is getting no less than 10 hours of overnight sleep. That's where those benefits of healthy sleep, restorative sleep are going to come into play. Um, Well-rested children, they just behave better. They have better impulse control. They're better able to control their emotions. We all know what an over toddler or overtired toddler is like, and they are a complete disaster and no fun for anybody. Um, we've also found that our kiddos who are rested and getting that good consolidated sleep, they can think more creatively. They can think at higher levels. Our brains, what they do at night, they consolidate all of the learning that we took in through the day. 
when I'm working with infants, um, especially my, my little ones, my infants, I typically will see a growth spurt happen within our second week of working together because they start getting good consolidated sleep. Or if they're working on a skill like crawling or walking, a lot of times that skill will emerge because they're getting that good sleep. Their brain's able, able to consolidate that learning and they're able to apply it. Um, also, when we're thinking about healthy sleep, our immune systems are boosted, not just our kiddos, but as moms and dads, our immune systems get boosted with our heavy sleep. Think about it. Like when you're sick, your body just wants to rest and sleep because that's, that's helping you heal. So healthy sleep definitely boosts that immune system. Um, and also kids that aren't getting enough sleep, they're at a higher risk for obesity. What a big um, point about the immune system that you just pointed out um, at the time of this recording. You know, we're kind of seeing a big spike of RSV and flu at this time. And that particularly hits hard with our young ones. And knowing that there would be something that we could possibly work on to help with some of that preventative measure, maybe of getting sick or getting severely sick by, you know, simply uh, putting priority on sleep. That's such a huge, a huge factor and really plays into the whole household. Um, I think exactly. you recently had some instance of sickness in your house. And I imagine that you as mom, you're probably really feeling that, you know, especially going from such good sleepers to maybe some disruption. I don't know. Did you have any disruption during that time? Thankfully, my boys, um, they maintained their good sleep that their bodies, their bodies needed to rest. But that's, that's part of it. Like when our kiddos know how to put themselves to sleep on their own, they can put themselves back to sleep in the middle of the night, even through sickness, even through teething, milestones, regressions, all the things. Wonderful. So you really pointed out so many great benefits of sleeping well. And I don't think it's a surprise to us that sleep is such a core component of our health in general. But I think often it comes down to, okay, I know that this is so important, but how, how do I get this to be better? So can you tell me a little bit about um, some of those healthy sleep habits that we can implement to help our toddlers sleep a little bit better? Yes. So when it comes to our toddler's sleep or really any any age child, we want to make sure that our child is able to fall asleep 100% on their own. The way that your child falls asleep is the biggest indicator of what's going to happen in the middle night. Mm -hmm. So what I mean by that is if your child is relying on something external to fall asleep, or they have a sleep onset association. With our toddlers and preschoolers, 90% of the time, it's mom or dad either laying in bed with them or sitting with them, holding their hand or rubbing their back. What happens is, is that when their child naturally wakes in the middle of the night, they transition through those sleep cycles. They get in that lighter phase of sleep. They kind of like reach around. Oh, mom or dad's not here. They fully wake up and then they need mom or dad to come back in and either sit with them or rub their back or whatever it was that got them to sleep at bedtime, they need that in the middle of the night. So when we're, we're looking at the way that our little one falls asleep, we want to make sure that it can be replicated in the middle of the night. So we don't want to leave like a hall light on for your little one to fall asleep because then in the middle of the night, that hall light's not on, it's not the same, and we got to turn that hall light on. Mm, very important. Another thing to do is to look at finding that optimal bedtime. This is huge. For most of our toddlers and preschoolers, 
bedtime is going to be somewhere between 7 and 8 p.m. Um, you want to make sure that your toddler is going to bed when they're in a good mood. <laughs> if they're yawning or they look tired or they're exhausted, you've probably missed that window. Another thing that I hear from families is sometimes my little one's not tired until nine, nine, ten o'clock. Well, you've probably missed their window. So what happens when our when you miss their window is that your little one gets overtired, their body starts to produce adrenaline to fight that fatigue, they get that second wind. And you're right, they may not be tired until nine, 10 o'clock because you miss that little window of opportunity. So when you're looking at bedtimes, you want your toddler to fall asleep in about 15 to 20 minutes is kind of the ideal time. If they're falling asleep the second their head hits the pillow, they're probably a little overtired. If it's taking them longer than 15, 20 minutes, you know you need to push bedtime back a little bit. Now, if your toddler recently stopped napping, you want to make sure that you pull bedtime really early, about an hour and a half early, so that way then they don't get overtired and they can start making up that missed um, daytime sleep overnight. It's funny. I've definitely noticed that hyperactivity happened before. Sometimes uh, on occasion when my husband is gone, he's a pilot, and I'm trying to do three bedtimes at once, all of a sudden I'm, I'm getting behind. I'm trying to nurse the littlest one. And then the kids, the boys are like karate chopping each other, jumping off of the couches. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, no, they definitely have <laughs> overtired phase where it's become hyper. And yep. here we go. <laughs> yeah, that's not good for anybody. And when you get that overtired state, not only is it harder um, for them to control themselves, it's harder to get them to sleep. They are probably going to have middle of the night wakings. And there's a really good chance that they're going to wake earlier in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely have experienced that. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, one thing to think about with our toddlers as well is that they thrive on consistency, routine, and predictability. When we have consistency and predictability in our days and our nights, our little ones are going to know what's expected. They're going to know what's coming next. Our toddlers, they learn through routine, repetition, and consistency. So making sure that your bedtime routine is exactly the same every single night. Making sure that the way that you respond when they ask you for one more kiss or one more hug or rub my back, do this, when they get out of bed, having that consistency is really, really going to help you in the long term because you're, they're going to know what to expect and they're going to learn the rules. What do you, do you ever work with um, families of like shift workers? You know, maybe there's somebody who is a, a doctor who works overnight. For example, my husband is a pilot, so he goes away. It's really hard to create some sense of consistency because we just have this kind of changing of routine. Sometimes when dad is home, he wants to do the routine. But then when I'm there, I'm doing the routine. What do you recommend? Is it more of the specifics of the routine as opposed to who's doing it? Or how do you go about the, those sorts of situations? Yeah, I definitely work with a lot of families in those types of situations as well. Like dad may be working late or he's a doctor or something like that. Um, so it, it's not necessarily the steps um, or what you do. It's just making sure that that consistency is there. So making sure that the order of the events that happen go potty, take a bath, brush our teeth, get our GMAs on, story time, get in bed, make sure that that, that, that routine is exactly the same regardless of who's doing bedtime. 
Um, a lot of times there's one fam- there's one parent who is more lenient than the other. Mom may be, you know, the hard one that's like, oh, we're only reading two, but dad may be the one that they know they could get three stories out of or four stories out of. So just making sure that both parents are on the same page so that way then that routine and that consistency can be the same regardless of who puts the little one to bed. That's very helpful to hear because it, it gives me an idea of, okay, what if I write out a checklist of our bedtime routine to where I can have all of the steps so clear so that also dad can see those steps and know yep. exactly what they are. And we can all be on the same page in doing it together. So I really appreciate you pointing that point out about consistency. Yes. And I think that's a great idea. When I work with my toddler families and my preschooler families, I actually will send them a visual of a bedtime routine so that they can hang it up in either the bedroom, the bathroom, the hallway, because what that does is one, it gives that consistency to mom and dad, but two, your toddler now knows what's coming up. They know what to expect. It gives them control over their bedtime routine and they get a sense of pride. And it also helps to build that autonomy that all of our toddlers are always seeking. Amazing. I love that. So another thing to do um, is to look at the environment that your toddler is sleeping in. I always like to say we want to sleep in a cold, dark cave, regardless of the age of our kiddos. Even as adults, we want to sleep in a cold, dark cave. Cave. So you want you want that room to be pitch black, completely blacked out. No light coming in, blackout curtains over the windows. You want a nice, calming environment. You want it cool. And you definitely want to implement the use of a sound machine. I get a lot of pushback sometimes. Like, I don't want to use a sound machine because then they're relying on it, things like that. You definitely want to use a sound machine. You want to use something like a traditional white noise, either a fan or a static TV kind of noise. And all that does is that blocks out the external noise. It blocks out the environmental noise outside and then, you know, the noise inside the house. Um, I also get asked about nightlights because our toddlers will sometimes want to use a nightlight. My advice is to always wait until your little one asks for a nightlight. They don't need a nightlight, but when they ask for one, that's when you would start to implement the use of a nightlight. Typically, it's around age three that toddlers and preschoolers will start to ask for them because that's when their little imagination is going to overdrive. That's where a lot of the creative thinking kind of happens. That's where some of those nighttime fears are going to come into play. So you may at that point want to introduce a nightlight. I always recommend yellow, red, or orange light, making sure that it's kind of away from the direct eyesight of the kiddo so that it's not keeping them up at night. Okay, that's very helpful. Um, and if you have already put in a nightlight, is it is it a thing you can phase out? Like if it's not one of those colored ones, but it's something that's, no, so my my toddler, we, we've we've done a lot of the mistakes here, right here but that's okay because okay. I know it's a learning process. But we have one that's a little um a minion character on the ceiling, which I'm I'm guessing is probably not uh, what you'd recommend. So, <laughs> is it something that you think can be phased out over time and and replaced, or somebody could go cold turkey and put a new one in? I would, my recommendation is to pull a cold turkey. So if we were working together and you said you had a midnight light flashing on the ceiling, I would definitely tell you, like, let's get rid of that. Um, <laughs> there's a couple of reasons for that, because a lot of those things, those star projectors or like minion lights or like projector type lights are on a timer. Mm. So your kiddo, it may be on for an hour or so, and then it turns off and your kiddo falls asleep with that minion on the ceiling. Well, what happens when they naturally transition through and, and get that lighter phase of sleep and they wake up and they look up and the minion's gone? 
or the starlight's not on or something like that, then they're awake because they need that. They need that there. So you just want, if you're using one of those things, you just want to get a salt lamp is great. Um, I, I love using the hatch yeah. for my toddlers because we can also use that as a wake up clock in the morning. And you can set that to a lower light and you can set it to like the red, yellow, or orange color. Perfect. Okay. That's very helpful to know which ones you'd recommend. And a couple other things to think about um, when it comes to like bedtime with our toddlers. And these are big ones. And these are the ones I always get pushed back on from my families. Toddlers do not need to drink milk at bedtime. Hmm. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> After age one, our little ones do not need milk at bedtime anymore. A lot of toddlers will go to sleep drinking a cup of milk or a sippy cup or a bottle of milk. And really and truly, that milk can cause some problems at bedtime for a variety of reasons. One, they could be getting sleepy on it and it could start to help them relax. And then they need that in the middle of the night, right? When they naturally wake up. Um, a lot of times too, it can cause hyperactivity at bedtime. So the sugars in the milk will spike those blood sugar levels. When they start to normalize and stabilize, there's a crash. That crash can cause middle of the night waking. We've also seen that milk can cause nightmares in some of our toddlers. Oh, wow. That's fascinating. I did not know that. Yeah. So my recommendation is to give milk at snack time. So when they wake up from their nap and they're having that afternoon snack, give them the milk and then cut it off after that. Um, I don't, I don't recommend giving it at dinner time because it's too close to bedtime, but too, a lot of times our, our toddlers will fill up on milk and then not eat the good, healthy fats and proteins that they need at dinner time to help them stay full overnight. Okay. Okay. So that's a great point to focus on. Take away that milk. Yes. The other one is TV. And <laughs> mm, so easy after dinner time to put that TV on while you're kind of cleaning the kitchen, straightening things up, thing, you know, working in the, you know, working around the house a little bit. But really and truly, TV for bedtime is not something that I recommend. I definitely recommend cutting TV and screen time at least an hour to an hour and a half before bedtime. The blue light blocks the production of melatonin and promotes wakefulness. And then also some of those things, even on Disney Junior and Nick Jr. that are for kids, they can still kind of be scary for our little ones. So you may start to see some fears or some anxiety or even have nightmares um, because of something they're watching on TV. So, so much of what I've learned about habits is truly being able to find a replacement habit for something. What sorts of things do you do with your kids and have you done over the years instead of TV at bedtime? Because that's often where I'm struggling is it's the end of the day. And I'm just not even sure what to do that would keep them entertained without being a huge amount of uh, energy on my part. So what, what sorts of things do you do? Yeah. So I recommend um, doing like kind of a quiet kind of wind down activity. Maybe it's coloring. Maybe it's playing with a little bit of Play-Doh, um, doing puzzles, something like that where you're starting to wind down. Another thing that I recommend to my families um, that they implement in that time, kind of between like dinner time and bedtime, where you've got this like weird hour, 30 minutes or so before you start that bedtime routine. I love to recommend implementing a little bit of one-on-one -on -one time, some quality one-on-one -on -one time where you sit down with your child and you do whatever they want to do for a set amount of time. So if they want to drive race cars around the coffee table for 10 minutes, you're going to get down and drive race cars around the coffee table. Or if they want to have a tea party, whatever it is, you're going to do that. 
that does a couple things. That gives them control because they get control over the activity. Our toddlers are always looking for things that they can control, and this gives them a healthy dose of control. But it also fills their attention cup. So they're getting all of this undivided attention from you. So that way they're not going to be seeking it out at bedtime. Mm, that's amazing. And, and just even, like you said, five minutes, 10 minutes can really fill that quota. It doesn't need to be an hour long time of, you know, uninterrupted one-on-one time. Just a, just a little bit can go a long way. Exactly. Turn, you know, put the phone away, turn off the TV, use a timer. And if you've got five minutes, you've got five minutes and that's it. But just get down and do what they want. And I would imagine that would go a long way with probably almost any age kid. You know, just having that really one-on-one moment where you're, if they're older, listening to them and reflecting with them. And when they're younger, doing that, you know, fun play activity, just showing them that you care, that you're present. And, you know, at the end of a long day, you might be thinking, that's hurt for me as mom. I'm exhausted. I'm I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want any more time. I'm I'm, I'm done. But maybe having a reframing moment where you're thinking, you know, this is going to be calming for me. I'm going to enjoy Mm -hmm. this of true presence that maybe I haven't had all day long. Exactly, exactly. And I mean, and it's 10 minutes and I I always like to kind of recommend we're going to start our bedtime routine 30 minutes before bedtime. So build it in and do it. So go up 10 minutes before you actually start your bedtime routine, do this and then transition into your bedtime routine. Beautiful. I love that. The other thing to kind of think about too, when your toddler starts making requests because that's a big one. I need another hug. I, I want one more book. Um, and they start coming out of the room. Be consistent with the way that you respond to it. I know it's tempting to want to give another hug or another kiss or read another story, but we really want to make sure that we're holding and setting those boundaries. Hey, buddy, I know I love giving you those hugs. I think our hugs are so special. We've given all of our good hu- our good night hugs tonight, but I can't wait to hug you in the morning. So we're empathizing, we're holding a boundary, setting that limit, but then letting them know when we'll be able to give hugs again. Same thing for story time. Can we read one more book? Oh, I absolutely love story time. It's my favorite part of the night. We've read our two books for the night, but guess what? We can save this one for tomorrow. I think that's such an important note is boundaries because um, this is something that I struggle with in my life in general, but in specifically as a mom, because you know, I often think, oh, you know, I I, I want to give that extra story because I like that time with them, not really knowing that it's actually doing more harm than good. And if I would hold that line a little bit more firm in a very loving, caring way, exactly like you're recommending, that they would respond well to that. They would know, okay, I get two stories at bedtime and tomorrow I'll get two stories at bedtime and the next day I'll get two stories at bedtime and they'll learn to respect that and they won't feel unloved. <laughs> exactly. Because like if you do two stories tonight and three stories tomorrow and four the next day, and then you're like, nope, we're only reading two. Well, that consistency is not there. That predictability is not there. And then they're going to throw a fit because they don't know what to expect. And you, you're like, nope, we've already read two. So just maintaining, it's hard to maintain those boundaries and hold those limits. But when you do it and, and you're consistent with it, they're going to learn. This is what we do. Yeah. Wonderful. That is so incredible. Any more tips that you have for us? The only other one that I was going to suggest is what do we do when our kiddo comes out of the room? 
We put them to bed, we say goodnight, and then they come out of the room needing all of the things. Be extremely consistent, again, with how you respond. You want to make sure you're minimizing the attention that you're giving to the behavior. Just quietly walk them back to their room, get them in bed, tell them, I love you. I'll see you in the morning. Beautiful. These have been such helpful tips and ones that I really don't feel like I've seen, you know, on Google. Ones that I've easily said, okay, how to get my toddler to sleep and and are very much things like, okay, I, I know that. I've tried that. I feel like these are um, something new that I can really start to implement and do them in small ways. You start with one and move on and see how that goes and kind of continue from there. Um, so you obviously, from what you've said, have great sleep in your house, which I totally love. Maybe that leads you to having a little bit of um, time in your day because you feel arrested for some self-care. What is your favorite self-care activity, Erica? So I've been thinking about this. Um, I I like to indulge in little moments of self-care throughout the day. I don't think that self-care has to be something big and extravagant, like going to the, going to the spa um, and having a spa day or something like that. So I start my day before my kids get up drinking coffee by myself. I have to have it. That's my time. That's my time. If I don't have that time, even if it's just 20 minutes, I'm a mess for the day. Then throughout the day, I look for little things that I can do. One of my one of my go-to things is getting outside in the sunshine. I love the sun. <laughs> and if it if it's just sitting in the sunshine and getting a little bit of feeling it on my face for five minutes or getting out and taking a walk on the beach in the sunshine or walking around my neighborhood or swinging on my porch swing in the sunshine. I'm always outside in the sunshine just because it makes me feel good. And another thing is, is that actually getting out in the sunshine is good for our circadian rhythms and it does help us sleep better. Uh, I love that you pointed out the little moments because that's also the same way that I feel is, you know, just those sustainable small moments that you can do day to day um, are such such a wonderful thing. So thanks for sharing those with us because- yeah. It all use a little coffee and a little sunshine. (laughs) I thrive on coffee and sunshine. (laughs) And I feel like you exude that. You're such a sunshine person that I can feel it coming right through you. (laughs) Thank you. Well, Erica, it has been such an absolute pleasure to get these tips from you. Um, And I know that mamas are going to absolutely love them and find value in being able to help our children sleep so that we can get sleep too, because we all need it. Um, So thank you so much for being here with us today. Oh, thank you for having me. If you're loving the Habit Maker Mama podcast, I want to invite you to check out our free five-day self-care plan so you can jumpstart your journey to incorporating self-care into your day as a busy mom. You can head to habitmakermama.com forward slash prioritize yourself challenge or hit the link in the show notes. You'll receive daily support to help you succeed in starting your journey. Again, head to habitmakermama.com forward slash prioritize yourself challenge. See you next time.